welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Jeff Cook. Jeff is a commercial real estate owner, operator, and investor in central upstate New York. He's the managing general partner at Cook Properties Fund 20. The Cook Properties Fund 20 is a private real estate equity fund of $26 million with the goal of acquiring mobile home parks and self-storage facilities in Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Jeff, what's going on, brother? Welcome to Wealth Science. Pumped to have you on on this uh, Sunday morning. Glad we could make it happen. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. It's always uh, nice to get to the office early, you know, relatively early on a Sunday morning. So <laughs> we've got, Thank uh, you. yeah, no worries. We got a lot to unpack today. I mean, I've listened just for this interview alone. I've probably listened to, I mean, I don't even know, eight, nine, 10 podcasts that you've been on. So I've got a lot of great content. I'm I'm pumped to jump into it. You know, for the viewers who maybe don't know who you are, or maybe aren't from the Northeast in New York state, if you could just take a couple minutes and introduce yourself. Sure. Yeah. So like, like you said, my name is uh, Jeff Cook. Um, I was born and raised here in Rochester, New York. I started my real estate career back in uh, 1997 with a single family home here in Rochester. Uh, got up to about, uh, started buying more and more singles, uh, doubles, triples, you know, residential apartments uh, in the city. Got up to about 100 units, uh, sold all those right around uh, 2008, 2009, right, right before the, uh, the crash. Um, and then started moving into more commercial real estate. Uh, bought, bought my first mobile home park in uh, 08. Uh, we still have that today as a 34 pads up in the, um, up in the North country. Um, Sandy Creek area, about halfway between Syracuse and Watertown. Uh, just, it took me a very short order, maybe a month or two to realize how much I really, really enjoyed the mobile home park uh, business model and, and just started buying more and more parks after that. Um, right now we're up to, uh, we just closed on some parks on Friday. Uh, now we're up to 40 parks, uh, 4,000 pads. And, uh, and as you mentioned, we have another uh, 2,300 pads under contract that are scheduled to close uh, by the end of the year. That is awesome. I mean, I, I I think this is so cool, and people overlook kind of the the niche of mobile home park investing. Like, I'm I'm curious. I mean, if we go back to like that 08, 09 timeframe, Jeff, what was that general draw for you to the mobile home park space? And I guess I'm curious why you you and your brother got into it. So, so I had apartments. They were they were all uh, you know pretty much inner city apartments. So it was a it was a lot lot of management. It was a tough tough go at. I did it for about ten years. And um, just decided I wanted I wanted to do something else, so I put them all up on LoopNet. And we had a um, gentleman from New York City that wanted to buy the whole portfolio, so I sold it. And uh, I, I I did I actually wanted to stay away from residential um, because I had not that it was a bad experience in, with the apartments I had in the city. It was just it was a difficult experience. Um, so I wanted to stay more commercial. So I bought a I bought an office building in Rochester. Um, paid cash for it. It was uh, right before the crash. Um, so real estate was really tight and hot. 
and it needed a lot of capex and it had a lot of vacancy. Um, but I, I got a good deal. So I did all the capex. I, I paid about 400 grand for it, put another 300 grand into it, um, did all the work. And, uh, and then the crash happened and, uh, no one, no one showed up to rent my brand, <laughs> to rent my brand new building. So I kept dropping the rent, dropping the rent. Eventually I got it to the point where we, we did attract some, some tenants. I filled it up, not at the rents I, I was hoping for. Um, but nonetheless, we filled it up. Um, and then I was approached to, uh, look at a mobile home park. And I, I was very concerned about, I didn't want to go from the quote unquote, uh, city poor to the, uh, country poor. Um, so fortunately, this park was beautiful, um, still is uh, pri primarily a 55 plus park um, built in the late 90s and uh, just, you know, fell, fell in love with it. It was uh, it was such a such an easy, uh, easy um, management for us. And it was a lot different, of course, than the, than the city apartments. Um, you know, the residents paid their rent on time. They, they took care of their units. Um, they, you know, they mowed their grass. They were just really good, normal people. And, uh, you know, with that impetus, I was able to, to move forward and, and buy, you know, a lot more parks. Yeah. And I, I love how you said from the city port to the country poor and, and so much with, I think, mobile home park investing and why people maybe stay away from it. And I'm curious what you think too. It's like that stigma of like owning a trailer park and people, people don't understand that. Yes. These are like blue collar Americans, but I mean, they have a pride in their community and where they live. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what you think in regards to, and to kind of just back up here, if you could just kind of briefly go over, I mean, mobile home park investing in general, park-owned homes versus tenant-owned homes, private utilities versus public utilities, um, for the viewers who don't know. There's a lot to be said for home ownership, whether it's a stick-built home or a, a mobile home. Uh, when someone is invested in, in a, a large asset like that, they just all the stats show they, they take care of it better. They pay their bills better. They pay their rent better. You know, in general, they have higher credit scores. It's just, it grounds them uh, much more in, uh, in the economy. So for us, you know, when we, when we bought that first, that first park in Greenhaven, it was all, it was all tent res resident owned homes, no park owned homes. Um, you know, now, you know, since then, you know, obviously that, that park is, uh, you know, it's, it's a gorgeous, beautiful park and it's kind of our, one of our showpiece parks. Um, you know, since then we have bought a lot of parks that uh, certainly aren't as nice as that. Um, they certainly have more more park-owned homes than that. Um, but that's you know kind of the nature of the business. You can't have all you can't have all showpiece parks in your in your portfolio. I mean, I, mean, I guess you could, but it's very very difficult to assemble uh, something like that. Um, so we certainly like resident-owned homes much better than park-owned homes. Um, but again, it's kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, if if you want to get ahead, fill lots. Um, you know, cut your vacancies, you know, you, you got to have some park owned homes. Um, you know, right now we're, we are in, in 2019, we brought in 75 homes. Uh, 2020, we brought in uh, 100. Uh, 21, we're on schedule for 200. And then 22, we're probably going to be around 300. In years past, up until recently, we've been renting about seven out of 10 of those homes. Um, we've actually decreased that a little bit. Now we're around six per out of 10. And we want to get to five out of town by the end of uh, 22 and then just keep chiseling away at that to uh, hopefully get down around two or three rentals out of 10 and the rest be home sales um, because of those st statistics that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm curious what you think too, along the lines of utilities and, and, and what your portfolio looks like with public utilities versus public utilities. Do you guys only touch public utilities or do you guys do uh, private as well? I'm curious. We do both. I mean, again, you know, public utilities are certainly the, uh, des you know, the most desired uh, utility structure. Uh, you know, we, we love public water, public sewer. 
Um, but at the same time, we're not afraid of private utilities. We try to draw the line with public water. Um, but again, we, we have uh, we do have quite a few parks that have wells, um, you know, and we just have to do uh, which we do. We have to do our due diligence uh, to make sure we have a good operating well. Um, that's, you know, that's been um, inspected by a third, by one of our third party uh, vendors uh, during our due diligence process. And then of course we do the same thing for, for the septic or wastewater treatment uh, systems. Uh, so we have, um, we actually have every type of uh, pri private um, septic uh, wastewater treatment uh, that's out there. We have, we have a lagoon, we have some septics, we have, um, and we have some wastewater treatment plants. So we're um, we're certainly not we're not experts on all, all of them because we we have third parties that handle the uh, the maintenance and the operation of those uh, those the wastewater treatment plants, uh, but we're certainly well versed enough to uh, you know know what potential issues uh, might be out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just comes down to if the pro and I'm curious again what you think if the proper due diligence is being executed and maybe not being subject matter experts, but aligning the right people to the right problems, having the right experts inspect them. Um, risk can be mitigated even with private utilities, like something like a lagoon with the park. I'm curious. Uh, people swear off the lagoon. I mean, at that specific park, um, have you ever had any issues with that one specifically, or is it, does it function pretty well and you guys have no issues? We have not yet, but that actually is one of the parks that we just closed on Friday. We did do our proper due diligence, of course, um, you know, to make sure that, uh, you know, the big thing with the lagoon is that it's not filling up with uh, solids um, because obviously if it's, if it's, if it fills up with too many solids, there's nowhere for the, you know, for the effluent to go. Um, and it's really just an you know evaporative uh, process. So so we did do our due diligence. We had it inspected by a licensed uh, uh, wastewater treatment operator, and uh, you know nothing came up as issues. You know we do have we have a current uh, speedies permit, which for for those outside of New York State is the uh, the um, operating permit that all uh, wastewater treatment systems have to have. Um, here I'll show you a picture. Actually, it's pretty funny. So you know I, I talked about the depth of the lagoon. I don't know if you can see. Oh, yeah, you can probably see it. Yeah, yeah. Here's a picture of my uh, brother Brian, who's our current COO. So what it says is, I know it's a little hard to read. It says, "When when life gives you crap, float above it." So that's Brian in the lagoon, checking the depth in various spots throughout the lagoon. <laughs> so again, we go above and beyond to make sure our due diligence is done is done properly. And and uh, but on a serious note, what we found is that the depth was well within uh, where it should be based on the age. And uh, again, it was, you know, no, it, we don't have any issues with it. So <laughs> when, when you got the chief operating officer out there in a rowboat in the lagoon, I think Cook Properties is doing it right, Jeff. The team's yeah. headed in the right direction, yep. brother. That's, yep. that's that, crazy. That, that's why our property manager had, uh, had a snap a picture of that. So. <laughs> Brian was a little nervous because he, he said there was some... Uh, there was a little bit of water coming in the coming in the boat, of course, and uh, but he was able to get still get his uh, measurements and get out of there before it uh, before it took on too much water. That's uh, that's crazy. Um, the the next question I, I had for you, and I really am I'm curious when people look at the amount of affordable housing in America in the affordable housing crisis. I mean, do you agree that there is an affordable housing crisis? I know there's a lot of conversation around that when it comes to mobile home parks and why it is such a great investment because there is such a limited amount of housing for maybe C-class, D-class, B-minus class tenants. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think the government's doing anything to, to solve the problem or, or what do you think is the solution? I'm curious. Uh, without a doubt, there is a, certainly an affordable housing crisis. 
um, as we know, you know, the, the gap between the, um, I don't even want to say the wealthy, but just, you know, the, the upper middle class and the, and the lower class continues to widen. Um, it's getting more and more difficult for, you know, for, for folks that are making, you know, $20, $25 an hour um, to, afford, to afford a decent house. And that's where, you know, that's where mobile homes come in. We, you know, we can cite a brand new uh, three bedroom, two bath, single wide, uh, just under a thousand square feet um, in a park uh, for, you know, 50 to 55,000, uh, depending on the location. And th- there's nowhere in New York state or for that matter, you know, most places in the country where you can go to find that type of housing at that price. That's brand new. That's energy star um, that they have their own lot. They can drive, drive right up to their house, you know, unload their groceries. They don't have to park, you know, a quarter mile away, go upstairs, take an elevator. I mean, it's really, we really see it as the, as the future of, uh, affordable housing. And I, and I can say, and I like to say affordable in quotes because, you know, even, even housing that is, um, in that 150 to 200 grand for a lot of people, that's, that's affordable. Um, you know, I know here in upstate New York in the Rochester area, some brand new stick built homes are at a minimum are starting at, you know, at 250 and that's, you know, 1500 square foot, three bedroom house. Um, and like I said, you know, we can do, we can do really beautiful housing for 150, you know, nice double wides, you know, paved roads. Um, and it's something that we're actually looking into uh, getting going here in, in the very near future. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I, I agree that gap is is just widening and there's just always going to be a demand. And obviously, I mean, I, I don't know if we have talked about it, but they're not building any more mobile home parks. I mean, it is a finite asset class, or, or at least it's very difficult to develop them. Um, it's very difficult. Them. Yeah. We're looking, we actually have, um, we have a few hundred acres under contract right now in the roster area that we, we are planning to, uh, to uh, build mobile home parks. Um, we have not got approvals yet, but we are, we're working on, we're working on them. Um, you know, again, it's, it's a matter of, we got two, two big factors that are limiting, limiting uh, brand new mobile home parks. One is, is the government the municipalities. And then secondly, that's sort of related is, uh, is uh, NIMBYism, which is not in my backyard. No one wants a quote unquote trailer park in their backyard. And, you know, part of that is our, is our job as, as, as landlords and mobile home park owners is to ch- change that perception. Um, it has been gradually changing, but, you know, we can always do more. Um, you know, if, if we run our properties the way that they should be run and we run them as properties that we're proud of, um, you know, like we do here at Cook, um, uh, you know, eventually that will change and the quote unquote trailer park will be, um, will be a thing of the past. Yeah. I mean, that's just frustrating when I hear people say that, because I just know if, if you and Brian are going to develop or, or do something along these lines, I mean, these are going to be very nice homes, manicured lawns. It's, it's really going to be, you know, adding value to the community and again, solving that affordable housing crisis. So I, from, from my side of the room or my side of the table, it's, it's frustrating when I see municipalities push back on that and, and kind of a follow-up question as like we segue here. And, and I know you're sick of answering this, Jeff, but, and I've listened to so many podcasts to prep for today. You, we're, we're an empire. We're from both from the empire state, brother. It's a very, very, very tenant friendly state. Um, you know, what would you say to investors out there? Or what are your thoughts in general on um, the laws of rent control, the eviction moratorium, which New York was one of the few states that extended it at the state level through the new year? I mean, how how do you cope with these policies and, and what are your thoughts on investing in New York and the Northeast in general? We love New York State. You know, I was born and raised. We were born and raised here. We, um, 
uh, granted, it's, it's much more difficult to do business in New York State, but we're we're so used to it. Um, it's uh, it's just a daily you know a daily event for us. You know, we we continually uh, you know keep in touch with with Albany and you know make sure we know what's going on. Um, to you know, again, just to try to stay ahead of the curve. Um, I should be. I, I'm on the ballot to uh, be elected to uh, one of the, to be one of the board members for the New York State Housing Association in a couple of weeks. Uh, so if, uh, if anyone's listening, that's one of the one of the members of that group. Uh, please vote for vote for Cook. Um, so that will certainly help to uh, you know get a seat at the table um, after this this large acquisition. You know we'll be the largest park owner in New York State, um, so we know that that's certainly going to going to have some uh, some pull, some power, some sway um with, with the state because again we're the we'll be the largest owner in, in new york state and um you know we we have something to say we we know the operations and we want to um you know express to them what uh what their uh, pending legislation how that's going to impact not only us but really the residents um so you know again you know new york state's difficult but we're just we're so used to it we're able to uh we're very nimble we're able to make changes um as uh, as legis- legislative changes are made yeah, I mean, when I when I tell people whatever we're buying this in New York City, people cringe, people laugh, people are like, "What are you doing?" And I and I'm curious what you think too. But I would say like when people look at the declining population in New York State, I really think it's focused more on New York City, where you or I invest more in upstate and central New York, which some of the communities up there absolutely thrive and have actually more people from New York City have driven up to that upstate area. And I'm, I'm curious what you think on the concept also of, of the 3% rent control. What we've seen actually is like, it gives us that right now to raise the rents 3% and there's not so much of an issue or anything like that. Like, what are your thoughts on rent control? I mean, have you guys had issues with it in your own communities or, or what are your general thoughts? Yeah. So, um, so take the first thing, uh, there on, on population. Uh, yeah, it has been declining. It's been, it's been relatively stable recently. Um, a lot of the population decline has come from New York city. Uh, you know, and also too, you know, it's kind of, um, all real estate is local. You know, we have parks all throughout New York state. We have waiting lists for our new homes. We, we've, you know, ever since I bought my first park, uh, here in New York, in New York state, we've never had an issue with vacancy. Uh, we've all, if we have a vacant home, we're able to fill it in relatively short in relatively short order. Um, it's just again, it's you know, it's it's never been a problem for us. Um, so you know, we, with the population decline again, it's you know, it's mostly coming out of um, coming out of New York City, and also to that, you know, too, I think a lot of our residents are coming from inferior inferior housing. Um, you know, there is a lot. You know, New York New York State's an older state. Um, you know, it was one of the first states that was settled. You know, way back when. Um, so there's a lot of older housing stock. Uh, we have some parks that are in what are like sub-secondary markets, um, you know, populations, maybe around 50,000. We can, if we had, no matter how many homes we put in there, we would fill them up because there's no, there's no good housing for, for affordable, for residents who need affordable housing. Um, so I think a lot of it, you know, we're, we're taking residents from, again, from inferior housing, which, you know, I mean, that's, that's, comp- that's competition. Uh, you know, we provide a better product at, at a good value. So um, you know, they, they should come to us and they're, they're happy residents to, to get the, the value housing that we can provide. Um, you know, as far as rent control, uh, you know, we weren't happy about it, of course, but again, we were able to, uh, you know, make the appropriate changes. To be honest with us, it wasn't that, it was actually, I don't want to say a positive thing, um, but it wasn't bad. Prior to rent control, we were raising rent every other year in that two to 3% range. So now, because we never want to get below market, we'll raise 3% every year, regardless. 
Um, and again, so we just always want to stay on top of the market because if we don't, if we miss a rent raise in a particular year, we'll never, we'll never get that, get that rent raise back. Um, we also have the ability to, to raise above 3% um, if there's some uh, um, extraordinary factors such as capital expenditures, inflation and such. Um, we just have to be able to document those additional expenses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love kind of seeing that opportunity of where it's like, hey, now we have this you know potential to raise it 3% every year um, to kind of leverage it and, and stuff like that. And um, also, you know, I think to kind of just wrap up this conversation, and again, I'm, I'm curious what you think with, with all these, you know, eviction moratoriums, rent control and stuff like that. I mean, do you as an investor believe that you see less competition, you know, looking for these parks in New York State um, and looking for deals as opposed to people, you know, looking maybe in the Southeast or Southwest, you know, maybe you see a little bit higher cap rates in New York than you see down South. I mean, do you agree, disagree? I'm, I'm curious. Oh, 100% agree. I think our cap rates in New York State are anywhere from a point and a half to two points higher than they are um, outside of New York state um, because of the, the tenant friendly laws. Uh, it keeps, it keeps a lot of, of operators, you know, national and regional operators out in New York state. Um, you know, me and me and Brian, we've been successful here in New York state for the past uh, almost 25 years. Uh, so, you, you know, again, we're used to it. We're okay with New York state. Um, someone needs to provide, provide affordable housing in New York state. And um, you know, we're happy to do so um, to, to provide that affordable housing, quality affordable housing. And, and make money at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I know uh, to kind of segue here, I know you guys just closed out this this fund 20, but um, I, I think this was such an incredible opportunity. I mean, it was $26 million. I'm, I'm curious just for the viewers out there. And again, I, I know you guys just closed it out, but I'm sure you'll have another one sometime in the future or when you guys look to do another large raise, you know, what was the structure of the fund 20 like? I mean, what was the type of returns? What were the uh, properties in it and the deal criteria to be in the fund 20? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. So we actually, we closed the fundraising for uh, the Cook Properties Fund 20 back in um, August. And we just actually closed on the last of the three parks on Friday. Um, so it was, a, it was a difficult closing, but um, we, we got it done. Uh, so we're, we're happy, ready to move forward on those. Um, you know, the deal metrics were, uh, we're starting off at uh, 8% cash on cash. Uh, we will we'll bump up uh, here probably by the end of the year, we'll be around 10%. And then we go up about a point or so a year for the rest, for the remainder of the whole 10 year hold period. The metrics, you know, generally we were looking for, you know, uh, parks of, uh, you know, 70 pads or more. Uh, we, we hit all of those. Um, you know, I, we were looking outside of New York State, but we ended up just we were able to find what we wanted in New York State. So we, we did stay only in New York State and only uh, mobile home parks. Um, so we ended up with uh, uh, 12 mobile home parks, uh, 1500 pads all in upstate New York. So they're all closed. They're all um, under our operational control and management. And uh, we're super psyched because there's a bunch of upside, a lot of uh, some vacant, not a lot, but, you know, some vacant pads that we can fill to really to really drive our uh, operating income. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, 10 year, 10 year hold, 1500 pads. I mean, literally so much upside from the, you know, largest, most sophisticated operator in New York State. I mean, it's going to be a home run for your investors, no doubt, which is awesome. Um, for sure. Yeah, yeah, we're super happy about it. And, um, you know, going forward, we have uh, someone asked me the question. You know, actually, I think it was Glenn. He's like, how do you celebrate after a... Uh, Glenn Esterton, how do you celebrate after you close the deal? And I was like, well, we move on. We move on to the next one. And that's exactly what we did. So we have, uh, we have tw now we have another uh, large opportunity in upstate New York. We have uh, 2,300 pads under contract. 
to close by the end of the year. It's a super tight uh, time frame. The seller uh, really wants to close again by the end of the year because of uh, you know fear of capital gains taxes. Uh, so we're trying. We we're raising. Uh, this was a, a, even a little bit bigger. Uh, Forty five million in um, thirty day thirty days from now. Uh, close close the funding by November fifteenth and close on the deal uh, uh, contractually December first. So. Uh, you know, we're super busy trying to, to raise the money and, you know, talk to as many people as possible um, about about the, about the acquisition. Absolutely. And what are what's kind of the big details? I mean, how many parks? I think you mentioned in the beginning, if I'm correct, 2,300 pads. Um, how many total parks? I mean, is it all just strictly New York State or across the Northeast as a whole? It's all New York State. Um, most of the parks are within an hour. It's, it's a real, I don't want to say easy, but it's a real comfortable um large uh acquisition for us most of the parks are within an hour of our our headquarters here in rochester um you know the, the metrics on this one is we're starting off just under 10 percent cash on cash and again we get up to the high uh, the high teens by the end of the whole period our um, projected irr is uh, uh about 15 uh, just under 15 and a half percent so again some great deal metrics you know and, and the the primary reason that we can get there is through uh is through infill um, it's, it's a great portfolio. Um, there are some smaller parks, but, you know, as a whole, it's again, a great portfolio. Um, you know, it's something that the seller has been assembling for, you know, 20 plus years. Um, you know, very good operator, just someone who's looking to retire, uh, catch out and, and move on. Um, you know, the other really big advantage of this portfolio is that it's operating. Uh, it's an operating business right now. And we're, you know, we're going to send all the employees to, to come aboard uh, to cook, you know, once, once we close their, their current COO has already accepted an offer to stay with us, which we're super pumped about because he's been running the, he's been running the company for 20 years and um, he's going to be a, a super valuable asset to us as we, uh, as we merge these two companies together. This is this is just incredible. I love how it's in your guys' backyard at Rochester, New York, too. I mean, this this is a no-brainer for for you guys. Um, I'm I'm curious. I mean, when you're building out that team, obviously the COO from you know this portfolio is going to come on with you guys. I mean, when I go on your guys' website, and I, I love your guys' website, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I mean, it's it's almost like Cook Properties is a family. I mean, obviously you and Brian, you know, you've got your pictures and bios in there, but you've got everybody down to the lowest property. You know, whoever John. Smith, the property manager, or something in a little blurb on him. I mean, what's that mentality of building that team and almost like that family atmosphere there at Cook? I'm curious. Yeah, we really try to encourage that. Um, you know, it is a family. Uh, we're still a family-run business. You know, me and Brian are on the top. Um, but at the same time, you know, we also, you know, probably 12 months or so ago, we realized that, you know, we can't do it all on our own. Um, you know, we had kind of our, uh, our boots on the ground staff built out pretty well. But in the past um, six months, we started to hire some more senior staff. Uh, we hired a director of acquisitions, uh, Max Dowd. We hired a uh, our CFO, uh, Scott Mulcahy. Um, we have extended. Uh, we have an accepted offer for a new COO um, that's going to be joining the company here in a couple of weeks. Uh, Brian has been is being uh, promoted to uh, president of the of the company. Um, we hired a, a new uh, senior HR manager to, to help manage our our, uh, our human resource capital, um, and she's going to be starting in a couple weeks, also. So again, you know, we're 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 super excited to have, to add that senior leadership to our team. Um, but at the same time, you know, the well, all of our employees are are important. But you know, like you said, Jesse, the you know the boots on the ground employees are um, are what makes it happen, and and we always try to encourage that uh, cohesion. And um, always, you know, letting them know how important they are to us. 
Um, you know, we do a lot of uh, a little, you know, we say small things, but I think they mean a lot to our employees. Um, you know, here in the, we have about right now we have about 20 people that come to the office uh, for administration on a daily basis. We do um, biweekly uh, chair massages. We have a lady who comes in and does that for us just to help with the stress and a little break. Uh, as you see on our website, we we always try to have at least one dog here in the office. Um, you can probably see in the corner there's my is our dog bed for one of my dogs. Um, so that's that's always great. I mean, no matter how bad of a day you're having, if you see a big fluffy dog running down the hallway, uh, it's really it really is not that bad, and it, it really brings your stress level from uh, from ten down to down to zero pretty quick. Um, we also have, uh, we do monthly luncheons, um, just to get everyone together and, and talk, um, about non-work stuff and, and, you know, me and Brian buy lunch for everyone, you know, and then for our guys in the field, you know, we tell our, our site supervisors, you know, same thing. If they're ever, if there's an opportunity where everyone's together, you know, you know, please buy them lunch on, on me and Brian, uh, take a break, you know, relax, uh, you know, talk about who's playing football this weekend, that type of thing. Um, you know, work is super, super important. I love working. Um, but at the same time, you know, everyone has a, has a life outside of work. Um, you know, the other thing that we did for the guys last year is, uh, we bought everyone, um, in November, October, November last year is we bought everyone nice, um, nice Carhartt jackets for the upcoming winter. Um, you know, they got cook on one side and their names on the other. And, you know, yeah, it's good advertising for us, but really it's more important for them to, to look good, feel good, um, be proud of who they work for, be proud of their parks, because um, that's all going to translate uh, down to the bottom line. Um, let's face it, happy residents pay their rent and uh, and happy residents that pay their rent, again, you know, comes down to the bottom line and makes us happy and makes our investors happy. So. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is awesome. I mean, the amount of connections that I can just draw from like my military career, being a leader, being an officer to what you and Brian are doing. I mean, I mean, I buy food for my, for my guys all the time and it's, it's no secret. I mean, take care of the people on the bottom and like, they're going to work hard for you and creating an atmosphere where people, you know, look forward to coming to work. It's not like, man, I've got, man, you know, shit, I've got to go work at cook properties day. Like people are probably fired up. Hey, I'm, I'm excited to go to cook properties. And even like, I I'm a big follower of you on LinkedIn and in Facebook. And I think you guys were like doing a barbecue one Saturday or, or something like that. And it was like, everybody got together and it was just barbecuing outside. It's like, that's what it's about. You know what I mean? And it, it totally, uh, you know, has an effect on the bottom line and happy, happy workers are going to work harder for you. So I think that's awesome. I love what you guys do over there. Agreed. Just, yeah, uh, we, had our, we had our first uh, annual uh, summer picnic back that's in probably August. what I was looking at. Yeah. yeah that's and awesome. we had a uh, dinosaur barbecue, which I'm sure you probably have heard of. I think there's someone in Albany, maybe I'm not sure, but definitely Rochester, Syracuse super good barbecue joint. They catered for us. Um, we had people come, you know, cause our managers, our onsite managers are scattered all over New York state. And we had a couple that came from about two hours away. Um, we had actually our, uh, my first park there in Sandy Creek, our park manager from there came, which, uh, you know, I was super, uh, super stoked about that. I was so happy that he, he made the two hour trip, you know, for, they spent more time in the car than, than they did at the picnic. Um, so that was, um, that was very, uh, we were very proud of that. We were very uh, touched um, that all those, you know, all the managers came. Um, we ordered way too much food. So most everyone went home with a, with enough food for dinner um, and probably lunch the next day also. So, so that's something we're going to continue to do on an on annual basis. 
Yeah, I just love that. I love the atmosphere there. I love the team, the teamwork. It's it's awesome. Cook Properties is is doing it right. Uh, but a couple more questions before we get ready to wrap up. I mean, you know, obviously the the fifty meter target for you guys is getting this twenty three hundred pads across the finish line here in the next few months. I mean, as we look into twenty twenty two, I'm I'm curious, what is the future of Cook Properties? I mean, are are you guys sticking to the Northeast and mobile home parks and storage, or or what do you see the vision for the next year or two? I'm curious. Yeah, so our goal here is um, again, you know, like I said, once we we celebrate a, a, a win by moving on to the next the next challenge, the next deal. So our goal here in the next three years is to be at twenty thousand pads. So you know, we got we got a lot of work to do. Um, we still want to continue to buy in New York State. Um, we're we're not going to stop at at sixty three hundred, um, but we do want to expand outside of New York State. Um, you know, we are we want to be you know Midwest, uh, you know Northeast down the down the uh, East Coast. Um, something that's easy for us to get to, uh, whether it's a day drive or you know a quick a quick uh, you know flight on an airplane. Um, we do want to stick with. Uh, you know, we don't want to start with 100 pads here, 100 pads there. That's that's just not that's not for us. That's not our model. We really would like to be you know if, if we're going to start off in a market kind of that 200 250 pad um, park. Um, better yet, we'd love to buy some more portfolios um, that are in. Uh, that are already operating with operating businesses and operating employees. Uh, that way we can come in and, and do our tweaks and, and hopefully make it a little bit more efficient uh, operation. But uh, again, we know we're super confident to, to, to expand outside of New York state. You know, we really feel like we've had the hardest training um, training by fire here in New York state. And, and once we acquire some parks outside of New York state, I don't want to say they're going to be easy, but I mean, come on, we're, you know, we're, Again, we're, we're, we've, we've done the hard work here up in New York State, so everything else is uh, it should be much much easier for us. Yeah, I mean, you guys are getting all the uh, the hard work out of the way. For sure, mean, for sure. You guys are going to start investing in other places, and it's going to be a breeze. This is going to be awesome. Um, the last question I had for you before we wrap up, and I and then we jump into the bonus round. Um, and it's it's a it's super. <laughs> you didn't general. tell me about the bonus round. <laughs> <laughs> There's some Rochester specific questions for you, Jeff. So I'm, I'm pumped oh, to get your okay. thoughts on it. The the last thing I wanted to hit you with, um, and I'm curious what you think. Like when we look at commercial real estate as a whole here, nobody has a crystal ball, but really coming out of this COVID era where the government did inject so much liquidity into the economy and stuff like that. I mean, do you still see, you know, commercial real estate as a whole being a good, a strong investment over the next several years? I'm curious. Uh, I think certain sectors of the commercial real estate industry, um, you know, like most people, I'm not hot on office um, or retail, you know, I don't know, but, but you could go the way that Warren Buffett says, you know, uh, come in, you know, buy when people are selling. Um, but again, I don't know. I just, I just don't see it. Uh, we have some office assets that, you know, some we're keeping. We are trying to, to unload some of them. We have some uh, retail that we are also trying to uh, unload. Um, some of the, uh, some of the office retail that we do like uh, personally here in Rochester is stuff that's smaller. Uh, we do have some uh, office complexes that have a lot of small offices that are uh, have done have done very well through the pandemic. Um, you know, people are, even if people are working from home, uh, sometimes they still need a small one room office and we've been able to fill those, uh, pretty, pretty well here over the past couple of years. Um, you know, self-storage again is another, another hot, uh, asset class. Uh, we do like storage. We like storage here in our home, our hometown of Rochester. It's just, it's easier for us than having storage. It's just not, it's not our thing. You know, mobile home parks are, are what we're best at. Uh, we just had. We just closed the deal up in Watertown, New York, 
Um, we love the market. We have uh, uh, several parks up there, but we uh, we had 1,500 units up there that we just sold. And, uh, we, you know, we got an offer that we couldn't refuse. And uh, so we took it. Um, but again, you know, we're, we're, we're good on, we're keen on storage here in the Rochester area, something that we can run much easier from our own office. Um, but to be honest with you, you know, again, you know, we love mobile home parks. We think they're the by far the best asset, asset class out there. Um, the the uh, the stats support it. Um, you know, they've done ever since I have purchased my first mobile home park, they've done nothing but increase in value. Um, you know, some of our some of our parks we've refinanced them like three or four times in the past ten years. Um, so stick stick with mobile home parks. I think it's really difficult to get hurt. Yeah, I mean, you've been doing this for, like you said, in the beginning, two and a half decades in mobile home parks for probably 14, 13, 14 years. I mean, yep. you've never had a park not increase in value. I, I don't no. know what other could be a home run for an investor out there yep. that's yep. looking to place cash right now. Yeah. And we've, Jesse, we've never sold a mobile home park. We've never, you know, we, we bought a few parks, a good example. We bought a few parks a while ago and there was one, it was a small one. It was like five pads. And we said, well, we'll because we had to buy it all as a package. We'll buy it. We'll we'll put a couple more homes in there, fill it up. Um, and we did so, and we still own it. And that was like five years ago. I mean, even though it's, you know it's five pads, you know, uh, I mean, what are we making? You know, a couple hundred bucks a month. It's just it's it's all set. It's ready to go. Um, we're paying down. We're paying down the loan, so we're increasing our equity. Um, yeah, definitely. Mobile home parks are definitely the way to go. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I, we got a, I got, I got a couple, just one or one or two more things we got to hit you with before we wrap up here. And uh, they're not real estate related, so okay. we can take a break from that. But you know, being from the Rochester area, Jeff, and for all the people who aren't from Rochester out there, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. And maybe this is overrated, but the concept of the garbage plate. I mean, could you give me a breakdown on on what exactly it is? What is the perfect garbage plate to you? And and where do the locals in Rochester go to get the garbage plate? Maybe not where the tourists go. Like I'm from Albany. I'd be there as a tourist, you know, but where did the locals, <laughs> Jeff, go? I'm curious. So the garbage plate was invented by uh, a man by the name of Nick Tahoe's. And uh, so that's, that is a restaurant down um, on West Main Street, just, just outside of the central business district. I think it's still open, but I know they were looking to sell the building. Um, it, you know, the area kind of fallen on rough times a little bit. Um, but that's where it was invented. Um, that's where we used to go when we were in college. Um, you know, after we were after we were done at the bars, we would go there to to get a garbage plate at you know two three o'clock in the morning because way back then they were open twenty four hours a day. Um, so that was the that was the second part of the night, and it was always always a uh, quite the pleasure. You know, you'd, you'd always see uh, something interesting down there. But uh, so a garbage plate is uh, you get your choice of um, either two hamburgers, two, two cheeseburgers, or two hot dogs. Um, you can also get a red or a white hot, which, as many know from upstate New York, is uh, is either a beef hot or a pork hot um, from uh, from Zweigel's, which is, a, again, a local uh, hot dog manufacturer. Um, so you get your choice of meats. You can mix and match. You can get cheeseburger, hot dog, hamburger, hot dog, whatever you like. Um, oh, and then actually, too, they do a whole bunch of other things you can do. You can do grilled cheese. You can do yeah. fish. You can do <laughs> pork chops, pretty much whatever you any type of protein you want. Um, and then you get your choice of uh Mac salad, baked beans, uh, French fries, or home fries. Um, and then they, they put all that on first, and then they put the, the meats on top, and then they cover it with, with, with whatever you want. Um, I always get everything, which would be, you know, on, onions, ketchup, mustard, hot sauce. Um, some people get some pickles on it. So, so hence the name garbage flakes. It's really just kind of everything thrown on top. 
Um, but now there's probably, you know, most restaurants or diners, you can get a garbage plate now. And, you know, most of them are really, really good, but, but the original is definitely the uh, Nick Tahoe's. That's awesome. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a tourist, Jeff. I, I don't want to go where the tourists go. I want to go where the locals go. The guys born and raised in Rochester. I'll have to check that out. For um, sure. The, the very last question um, before we end here, and I always hit this with everybody, and I'm, I'm super curious about your answer because I think it's going to be unique. But I mean, Jeff, you're living the perfect life. If it's going on right now, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, I'm, I'm curious, the perfect life for you. I mean, what does that look like? Uh, I'm living it. I mean, you know, I, I really enjoy where I enjoy working. I enjoy uh, what we're doing. I'm enjoying, um, you know, as my, my brother would attest to the same thing, you know, we enjoy running, running the business. We enjoy uh, running mobile home parks. That's so that's what we started off doing. Um, we, you know, again, we enjoy the challenge. I've always never backed away from challenges. Um, and, you know, even more, uh, you know, as important, you know, obviously, you know, we enjoy, uh, we enjoy making money, but, you know, as important as that is that we're providing quality housing for our residents. You know, when I get a phone call from, from a resident and they're not happy about something or, you know, just something, something that hasn't been maybe addressed quick enough by a property manager. Um, I still take that personally. And, you know, it's, it's difficult for me to, um, to get those, to get those phone calls or those emails. Um, so again, you know, we're, uh, we always try to, to do the right thing. And, and I always want to be proud of, of, what, of our product. Um, I never want to be uh, ashamed of going through a park if there if we do when we do do our tours of parks if there's an issue that we see we you know we want to address right away um, again because you know we do want to provide that quality affordable housing um, you know in addition to work and even more important than work you know I have a a, a son who's about to turn 16 and a daughter um, who is uh, 13 and um, right up there number you know number one uh, right right above work is watching them play sports. Um, you know, I got a beautiful wife who's a teacher here in the local area. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I would say I'm definitely living the perfect life right now. Um, you know, I, I couldn't be happier. Um, you know, me and Brian talk about what's going to happen in 10 years when in 10 years, our kids will be um, out of college. And at that point, you know, we'll, re we'll reevaluate. I know me and Brian aren't going to be sit sitting on a beach. That's for sure. Um, you know, we'll, we'll want to continue uh, receipt, you know, doing doing cash flow type investments. Um, and I'm sure it'll be in the, in the mobile home park uh, space. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that, that's just a huge why. And again, the atmosphere that you and Brian have created over there at Cook Properties is, is world-class. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. For, for people who want to hear more about you, Jeff, I mean, might be interested in investing in this upcoming opportunity. I mean, best, uh, best platforms to reach you on, best ways to get a hold of you. I'm, I'm curious. Sure. Um, you can always call me. I'm, I'm available anytime. 585-233-4699. My email is jeffcook at cookpropertiesny.com. And our website is cookpropertiesny.com. Awesome. We'll put links to all that in the uh, in the show notes. And again, I encourage everyone to go over and check out your website. It's a really, really professional website and just an awesome, uh, gives you that family dynamic and atmosphere that you guys have over there at, at Cook. So I, I appreciate your time, Jeff. Again, I know it's a Sunday morning and, and we had to pull some strings to make this get together, but there's no doubt in my mind from hearing your story from 1997 to, to 2021, it is an incredible story. And, and you will go down as, as I think one of the top investors um, in New York State. And in the Northeast, uh, whenever this whenever this comes to an end, but I, I appreciate you and, and everything that you do for the affordable housing space, and and uh, you know how much value that you and Brian add is incredible. So I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. 
Of course. Thanks, Jesse. You're much too kind. And uh, yeah, we're not going to stop. So uh, 22 should be uh, even more of an exciting year than, uh, than the past 25. So <laughs> awesome. Thank you again for your time, Jeff. I appreciate it, brother. And I will uh, catch you later. All right. Have a good day. Thank you. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.